0: The Thursday afternoon of National, I was lying in a lounge chair at a water park as my kid and her friends celebrated her birthday. I scrolled Instagram with nuclear levels of anticipation. A few hours later, my kid was back home, and I was driving toward Chicago. I got to Rosemont about 8.30, parked my car, and went inside to check out trade night at my first ever national. With the initial crowds already inside and the line drawn down, I got right in. All the activity bombarded my senses. I didn't know where to go, where to look, or what to do. But I found my bearings pretty quickly. I got to meet some people I'd never met in real life. I made a trade, and somehow, didn't get fleeced. More on my fear of trading later. And I bought a card I didn't expect to see at a trade night in 2023. It made me smile from ear to ear. A 1989 tops, Greg Jeffries Future Star PSA 10. Little did I know, however, that while I walked trade night, my best laid plans all the preparation I had done for the National were being disrupted by events taking place in the real world. The real sports world. The type of events that lead center. So today, I'm going to talk about two things. My first, national experience. And what happens when events you can't control take control of you and how I tried with varying levels of success to adapt. I'm Dave Schwartz. On Instagram, I'm Iowa Dave. Thanks for tuning in to the Shallow End. Let's get back to what I mean when I say the news got in my way. Coming into the National, I was more than prepared. I was hyper-prepared. I made spreadsheets of the cards I wanted to sell or trade. Those spreadsheets included comps, comps suggested for eBay fees, and what I hoped to get for them. I made spreadsheets of the cards I wanted. I made a list of the first 14 booths I planned to hit in the order that I wanted to hit them. The Hall of Fame San Francisco 49ers coach Bill Walsh Walsh was famous for scripting the first 10 to 15 plays of a game. That was me. I knew where I was going, to go, and when. I didn't bring much money, so my plans were contingent upon being able to move the cards I brought, which were in total about 16 or 17. About a half dozen of those were Shohei Otani's. I brought them not to get out of the Otani business, but because I wanted to move up into a bigger card. The remainder were Nolan Arenado, and they were all tops, Chrome True Gold Refractors numbered to 50 that covered every year of his career. Now, Arenado I was trying to move on from. It was fun while it lasted, but the spark had died. Here's what happened Thursday night that affected my Friday. After trade night, I head to my hotel to check in. I wasn't staying in the main compound where all the convention hotels were. Mine was a couple miles away. So I drive to the hotel, check in, and by now it's about 10.45. I know Friday's going to be a long day, so I figure it's best to get some sleep. I climb into bed, grab my phone, Turn on Sports Center, and as luck would have it, Sports Center was just starting. The lead story that night was Otani turning in maybe the best doubleheader performance in the history of Major League Baseball. A complete game shutout in the first game as a pitcher, and two homers in the second game as a hitter. I said to a friend at my LCS a few days earlier that if Otani goes nuts one of those days at national, his prices are going to soar even higher than they already are. Sure enough, I check eBay, and some of the Otani cards on my watch list have been repriced higher than they were just a few hours earlier. That was great since I was trying to move some Otanis, but since I was also trying to move them to get into a nicer one, it potentially complicated my situation. So that story ends. And the second story on Sports Center is ESPN confirming the Los Angeles Times report that the Cardinals are listening to offers for Nolan Arenado. Crap. Remember those first 14 tables I said I scripted to hit? Many of them were dealers from the St. Louis and Colorado regions, places where Arenado has fan bases. He's only in his 11th season, but he's already basically a Hall of Fame lock. 10 complete seasons, 10 gold gloves, and a 500 homer trajectory. But if he got traded again, instead of being Mike Schmidt or Brooks Robinson, he becomes Fred McGriff, a Hall of Famer who played for so many teams that he went into Hall of Fame with no logo on his cap. That was his choice. He decided no logo because he just played for too many teams. Well, no true true fan base, no buyers, no interest in the card market. Again, crap. I arrived in Rosemont hoping for about 85% comps on Otani and maybe 70% on Arenado. Otani's value was still there, but I had no idea if there'd be any interest in Arenado. Would I have to leave the National with all my Arenado still in hand? Hopefully not. A Hall of Famer nobody wants, cards I no longer want. Alright, I go to sleep, wake up early the next morning to meet a friend for breakfast. My wife and I lived in Chicago for about 10 years, so it was nice to see some familiar landmarks. Finish and head over to the Stevenson Convention Center, where of course there's traffic, No worse than anything else. In Chicago, there's traffic getting to Target or the grocery store, so this was no different. I park. I make my way through the Skyway with the other attendees, shuffle into the ticketing area. I have a general admission pass. All's well. Then, we're let in and go down the escalator to get into the exhibition halls. This is how I describe it. Disorienting. In the movie Independence Day, Will Smith plays an Air Force pilot, and Harry Connick Jr. plays his wingman. Connick's always cracking the jokes. He's making jokes as the squadron is approaching the alien ship. When it finally comes into view, Connick's face turns from amusement and enthusiasm to awe and fear. And he utters the words, Oh God. That was me entering the National just Oh, God. For a few short moments, I actually got lightheaded, and it felt like the room was spinning. Overwhelming is the word often used to describe one's first moments of the national. I don't think overwhelming goes far enough. But, like anything else, the feeling passed. I staggered through some rows of dealers before remembering that I had a plan. I got my map, and I began to figure out how the piece of paper translated to real life. Okay. No problem. The National's just a card show, only bigger. This was going to be fine. And it was, it was fine. So it was time to sell. And here's the first thing I learned. When a dealer posts a sign that they're buying, it doesn't mean they're actually buying. It means if they like your cards and it fits into their very specific plan they, they have for buying, then maybe they will consider buying your cards. It's a little underhanded, if you ask me, because it tricks attendees into waiting in line and wasting their time only to realize that the sign should have said, quote, only buying Hall of Fame autos of players born during odd number years when Orion is in line with Aquarius at 8% comps. Here's the second thing I learned. Buy ultra modern football at your own risk. It was everywhere. Anyway, I finally get to the first table on my list, and my fear is immediately confirmed. The dealer, based out of St. Louis, has zero interest in Arenado because of the trade rumors. He says he's afraid Arenado's going to end up on the Dodgers, and he'll be stuck with Arenado cards that nobody wants. I totally got it. I respected what he was saying, but at this point, this really sucked. I kid you not when I say the next two dealers said the exact same thing. This is turning out to be way worse than I thought, and I think to myself, if I'm going to move Arenado, it's going to have to be at 60%, maybe less, and I'm preparing myself to live with that. But it gets worse. The fourth table I go to the 5th, the 7th, the 10th. Everyone saw the news that Arenado on the trade block. He is poison. I asked one dealer. I said to him, out of curiosity, how low would I have to drop this price to make this worth your while? What if I sold for 50% comps? He still flat out stonewalled me. He just said politely, I'm sorry. I'll never be able to move this. So at this point, I'm no longer even frustrated. I'm just resigned. I needed a break, so I went and said hi to people, met people who I'd talked to over Instagram. At one point, I sat down along a wall and ate a snack, drank some water. I was only going to be in Chicago for a total of 34 hours, and I didn't want to waste my time. I wanted to get some cards. That's when I turned my attention to some other goals. I went back to a dealer who had offered me 90%, 90%, not a joke, comps on a couple of my Otanis. You talk about a scorching player in the hobby right now. When a dealer at National is offering you 90% on a card, you know the player is a big deal. And these were not my best Otanis either. These were cards that, while I liked them, I wouldn't lose any sleep by getting rid of them. So I found him, and I asked if the deal still stood, and he said yes, and I had some playing around money. That's when I bought one of the cards that's been on my PC list for some time, the 1934 Gaudi Hank Greenberg rookie in an SGC 1.5. Beautiful example. i posted a couple of times now in my story uh, a picture of the card. I also dug through a few discount boxes, which I hate doing and found a nice Frank Thomas. After that, I felt better. It felt less like a business trip and more like a card show, and I decided to just walk around and have some fun, meet some people, look at some cards, but I still was not ready to give up on the Arenados. The National was enormous. I'm sure you know that. I staggered into this area that I hadn't been yet, If you went to National, it was around the 1800 section. If you didn't, think of the entire layout like the human body. This section was the armpit. Hot, smelly, and kind of around a corner in a hard-to-get place. And it was in this corner that the aeronauto ambition found a pulse. First, I come to the table of a guy who claims he'll buy anything if the price is right. He came right out, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, He would essentially tell people that he might be at 30%, but he'll buy it. I respected that because unlike most dealers, when he said he was buying, he meant it. Plus, he was completely upfront about his low asking prices. No pretense. No song and dance. He was an open book. We talked for a while. I even showed him my Arenado spreadsheet with the recent comps and much to my surprise, and this comes back later in the story, once he saw that my hard copy of the spreadsheet, he put his phone away and trusted that spreadsheet. There was something about that hard copy, that thing he could hold in his hand that he found reliable. I asked him if he would buy the Arenado the full boat for 50% comps. If Arenado really got traded, I knew those cards would go down even further. Full disclosure, as you can probably tell by this, I was desperate. I was about to be stuck holding the bag. He said he'd pay 45%, but only if he could move a few cards first. He'd bought a bunch before I got there and needed to replenish his funds. I said, okay, but I was going to continue to walk around and would sell the cards if an opportunity presented itself, which he understood and agreed to. So I walked away, and then I saw it. Directly across the aisle from the guy I just talked to was another dealer with two full showcases of Shohei Otani. Many were autos, which were way, way, way beyond my reach. But he also had a card I'd wanted for some time. Otani's 2017 Bowman Chrome Mega Box. Wearing his Japanese uniform. And he had it in a BGS Pristine 10. This was from the World Baseball Classic, even though Otani didn't play in that Classic that year because he was hurt. But that's what the card is from. So it's kind of like his XRC. This guy was also wheeling and dealing. This guy had a line. If I could convince him to take my Aeronados at 50 to 60%, and if I could throw him one of my own Otanis, I might be able to get the BGS 10 back with no cash out of pocket, and he'd financially get the better end of the deal, by far. This would be my Hail Mary. So I waited in line, and I waited and waited and waited and waited. The line was not budging, so eventually I left. This was around 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. I walked for a bit, got rejected by a few more dealers, and returned to my last chance guy. The line was much shorter, but this time he was haggling with someone, and he was getting short-tempered. I can't get there, he kept saying. He was really aggressive. He was sweating profusely. He's like, I can't get there. They were in a stalemate, but just didn't know it. I got a text from someone I had arranged to buy a card from at National. He was available to meet, so I left the table again, picked up my card from this guy, and headed right back to my, Harry, <laughs> to my Hail Mary table to wait again. This time, there appeared to be a clear path to the table when another guy got there right before me. I didn't mind waiting for one person in front of me, but that's because I didn't yet know what he was going to pull out of his case. As I stood next to him in line, I saw him pull out a stack of what had to be 30 slabs. All of them straight fire. But they were ultra-modern football fire. So remember what I said before about that stuff was everywhere? Here is sort of the high-end lot of that. I didn't have the best angle, but the one on top looks something like a Trevor Lawrence quad Nike swoosh patch auto something something something. I don't know. The dealer's eyes lit up when he saw this, uh, this guy's stuff. Um, and the guy said he wanted to move it. He wanted to move it all. The dealer asked how much he was looking for, for the entire stack of slabs. And the guy replied, $85,000, which was 15% below comps. Which means he estimated his own collection at around hundred grand. At this point, two things go through my head. The first thing is, holy bleep, I wanted to watch these negotiations. These are the sort of things that you hear about happening at a national. The second was, I am never going to be able to get this guy to look at my aeronados. So the two begin the negotiation process civilly. Meanwhile, I start talking to one of the dealer's assistants, and she could not have been nicer. After a few minutes, I tell her I'll be back. I walk for a bit get to say hello to David Spinrad, a.k.a. The Rated Rabbi on Instagram. It's a beautiful introduction and hello among a sea of cards. We talk, and when we're done, I make my way back to the Hail Mary table. There's no one else there except for the same guy with the mega case of cards. And when I say the two of them are not happy with each other, I am underselling it. The dealer keeps saying that he knows the case is comped right, but that doesn't matter. He's not paying 85k. Meanwhile, the seller keeps waving a legal pad in his face showing that the comps add up. Then the dealer says, I know your comps are right, but I ain't paying that much. The assistant and I by now have a nice rapport going. We exchange looks and don't even have to say a word to each other. The seller isn't getting the message that he's going to have to drop his price or walk away, while the dealer is getting aggressively angrier. I leave again. It's now 4 p.m. At 4.30, I wandered back over again, and they're still haggling, the same two. But now it's just over one final card they can't agree on about the price. I get back in line, plant myself, and decide I am not moving until it's my turn. It appears they finally have agreed on a price. I'm sorry I could not figure out what it was, and it was not my place to ask. And the dealer pulls out a massive, massive bag of cash. I've never seen anything like that in person. He counts it out. The seller counts it and says, it's $100 light. The dealer recounts and agrees and gives him the final 100 bucks. At this point, the assistant leans over to the dealer and says, pointing at me, that this man, meaning me, has been waiting patiently for a really long time, and I should be next. The dealer sort of is in a distant spot at this point. He just kind of nods. The other seller, my my friend now, I'll say, finally leaves, and just as uh, she does, um, uh, another guy steps up to the dealer, who I can only assume is completely fried by this point, and turns to. And this time, the the dealer turns to help this guy. So I'm waiting again, and I'm getting inwardly frustrated, but outwardly I'm being patient. But thankfully, it's a short transaction and the assistant reminds him that I'm next. And we're starting now close to three hours after I first walked up to his table. And so this was my opening line. I said to him, I'm interested in that 2017 Otani BGS 10. And I'd like to offer you some cards that are way under comps and trade. That was it. And he's like, has this sort of, okay, look in his face. I hand him the stack of 11 Nolan Arenados. Remember, all gold refractors numbered to 50. And that was 10 years worth of Arenado cards, plus an SP from one of those years. And I also handed an Otani I didn't mind parting with. You could see his brain was completely melted from that previous negotiation. like He was working hard against... Uh, the guy who's trying to sell those cards, who was just not the easiest dude to work with. So he asked how much I was looking for. I said 60%. And I pulled it out. And I pulled out my printed out hard copy spreadsheet. I said, these are comps from earlier this week. They are itemized. And this is the total. I'm asking for just 60% of that. And then just like the other guy who looked at my spreadsheet, this dealer also took it at face value. And that's great. I mean, I wasn't lying. They were true. But just being able to hold that sheet, he just agreed that they were legit. Um, So he saw the number. He saw the number on the Otani that I had handed him, since I also put price tags on all of my cards. And I could see he was starting to shake his head a little bit, like we were heading in a bad direction. So I reached into my bag, and I pull out one more Otani. Again, not an auto and not a rookie, although it was numbered. And I added it to my offer package. So maybe the previous seller asking 85000 broke him in some way. Or maybe my deal was just such small potatoes that he didn't care, but he said, you're offering this? I said I was. He stuck out his hand. I shook it. And just like that, i gotten out from under my Arenados and into a new Otani XRC BGS 10. <sighs> I hate trading. It's hard. I always feel like I lose, and I don't think I'm very good at it. Financially, the dealer did what he needed to do here. He got by far the better end of the deal. But I got the card I wanted, and some peace of mind. 20 30 years from now, I feel like Arenado is just going to be one of those guys like Harmon Killebrew, right? Oh, yeah, we know they're a Hall of Famer. They're great, but, you know, not a huge market. Otani is beyond generational at this point. That's how, that's how I see it. Anyway, I got the card. I got my peace of mind. I got some confidence that I can negotiate when I need to and, and do what I need to do to get things done. It was now close to 5 o'clock. I sat down along the wall again, drank some water, and ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I felt like I had a certain glow about me. I came to National, and I got exactly what I wanted, and I had to really work for it. So that was it for me. I went back to my car. I threw some stuff in the trunk, ran the A.C. and cooled off for a bit, put on some fresh deodorant, and headed to the Wolfpack trade night. An absolutely incredible way to end my first national experience. Late that night, I went back to my hotel, crashed hard, woke around 5.30 a.m. and drove home. Exhausted and exhilarated. The 2024 national, it, it can't come soon enough. The Shallow End is a Wolfpack Network podcast.